0: Uh, Hello and welcome to Cody and Corbin Have a Podcast, the show where two former roommates talk about a new movie every week. This week on the show, we're talking about The Prestige. (laughs) How'd you like that? (laughs) How'd you do it?
1: Magic. I'll perform this feat in a manner never before seen by yourselves or any other audience anywhere in the world.
0: The audience loved it. This trick is top notch. You need to celebrate
1: a real magician tries to invent something new. Go.
0: I'm your host, Corbin's Vocal, also known as the Great Corbino. And as always, I'm joined by my co host, my lovely assistant, Cody Webb. Cody, how are we doing?
1: Well, I'm gonna have to quit the show after uh, that intro. <laughs> yeah, man, doing good. Uh, super excited for this episode and uh yeah how you doing though man fucking what a day to be alive man excited
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh hey i'm excited too we're talking about the prestige which is probably uh if you take like the overlapping interests of you and i this might be like our shared most favorite movie so uh it's it's a good one and uh, i'm excited to talk about it. our second christopher nolan film let's get into it cody why'd you
1: pick the prestige
0: why 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 why
1: yeah, no, uh, definitely a good question. I don't. I feel like this movie's not that mainstream, honestly, but it is one of my all-time favorites, and uh, it's one of the ones I've wanted to do on the show for a good while now. I think I've said it probably about you know five or six times on the pod. Uh, what am I going to do? The prestige, and uh, I figured, you know, I get another pick this season, might as well make it a good one. So I stuck it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, we're only a couple episodes in, and you already have two picks. Fifth episode, two picks. How's it
1: feel? feels good man you know last season i don't know i think it took about you know 20 episodes to get two picks so no i mean i like our normal format i like the other stuff we do as well and i think it's a good mix and match but yeah man i'm not gonna lie i really enjoy picking movies to talk about and uh this is definitely one of the ones i've wanted to do for a while so i'm jacked
0: definitely a great pick i think there's a lot to be said about this movie a lot to unpack uh and one that i've seen bunch of times so i think it's it's fun even in re-watching it's just like you're able to pick up new things so let's get into our initial thoughts
1: good
0: morning vietnam Uh, i'll I'll get it started first of all magic is I, i this is my letterbox review as well but magic is just fucking sick dude you know i think Any movie about magic, even if it's a bad movie, is still like pretty fun to watch. And I think this is uh, at the top of the genre when it comes to like magician movies. So got to say that right off the bat, Uh, right off the bat, obviously also it's got that Nolan twist of like, you know, a scattered timeline and uh, these two characters that are at odds with each other. And, And I think specifically, you know, the way he tells the story there's a little bit of heart and a little bit of intrigue and maybe even a little bit of real magic at the core of it is just is super intriguing so what are your initial thoughts Cody?
1: no i completely agree and um i think what nolan does pretty masterfully here is you know make a realistic magic movie but still have those fun like supernatural elements inside of it as well which I mean, it's magic. It, it lends itself pretty good to that, I think. Um, but just in general as well, I think this might be one of my favorite scripts of all time. Uh, it's just—it's not a long movie. It's only like two hours, maybe two ten. And there's so much jam-packed in this two hours, but it doesn't feel like that. It just feels like you know you're going through these twists and turns. Like you said, it's not you know straight up uh, you know chronological movie. They throw it all over the place and especially at the beginning, they throw it basically to the end. Um, but I, I mean, that just keeps you on your toes. And like, I, I don't know. I think it's almost perfectly told and uh, very good direction. But also I wanted to point out, I think the acting is unbelievable in this movie. Uh, the, the like lead five all have pretty prominent roles and are all disgustingly disgustingly good. So uh, I don't know man. It, I don't know if I've seen a better like top five performances than this movie. Um obviously you know there's tons and tons of great movies and all that good stuff but 100% one of my favorites I think this is probably mm, maybe the fifth or sixth time I've seen this movie Uh probably the first time I watched it mm, like college so good like five six years ago but yeah definitely one of my favorites also I mean it's, it's my favorite twist in movie history I've probably said that about some other movies before but <laughs>
0: I play a top five easily
1: yeah, I think this is undeniably a top two, top three twist of all time. Because, I mean, it's
0: it's really, like, it's like a double twist. I mean...
1: Yeah, the entire movie's a magic trick. Yeah. You just watched The Prestige, literally. You got fooled, uh, which I think is awesome. And that's why I love the script so much. But, yeah, man, I, I'm super high on this movie. Uh, you got any more initial thoughts? Well, I guess I just...
0: I. How would you des- describe the story structure of this film? Like, how is it laid out? What is it, what is it doing exactly?
1: Well, it's interesting because right off the bat, we're, we're thrown into, you know, this guy, he is being tried for murder. And, I mean, we see that he doesn't kill him. So we know he's innocent. Uh, and then we throw him in prison reading uh, a diary of a dead guy, we think. And then <laughs> eventually we find out, you know, he set him up because at the end of that diary, he goes, uh, you know, I framed you for my murder. But then as the story goes on, there's another diary reading and we find out he got set up. There's just so many twists and turns. And there's a lot of diary reading and it sounds boring, but <laughs> it's actually pretty fun and chronologically though it does like go back and forth pretty seamlessly and they don't always spell out where the timeline is you just have to know like where the story's at which i think is cool
0: yeah and i think the in some movies that much like diary reading could really be a fault but i think it masterfully handles all the exposition that it has to deal with like there is a ton of it there's a ton of just talking and explaining and um but it always just keeps just enough information out of your reach so whether that's by not showing you something visually or when some a character says something, they don't 100% mean what they're saying or they're using it at a different contest. And it's, it's always keeping you guessing. And uh, I think it's just like all across the board, fantastic. Like you said, writing, acting, editing is amazing. Uh, and it's shot really well as well. So uh, let's get into it. You kind of started to mention a little bit the title, Roll Credits. Roll Credits.
1: Yeah, you know, the title I think is... Maybe my favorite title of all time. I'm just gonna keep throwing that out. Uh it's the best of all time. But um, I mean yeah, also they say the word or they say the words the prestige multiple, multiple times.
0: Do you know how early into the film it's it first gets said?
1: I mean, well, the opening and closing is the is three the same minutes, three bitch. minutes and
0: nine seconds into the film, and you got Michael Kane.
1: Michael Kane. I think it might be hmm? It, it, depending where you start if you don't count like the all the from credits,
0: the from the runtime of like yeah. the movie starts it's three minutes I mean, it,
1: it's literally like once the movie once the title card yeah. goes, it's probably like a minute yeah fair. but yeah no i i love how they use the title in this movie obviously you know the whole movie is but the opening and the closing just speech from my cocaine explaining what you know how magic tricks works all the terminologies and stuff i think it it's a sick way to start a movie and a sick way to end a movie sort of like i was saying in a past episode like the whole gone girl thing where it's a similar shot um they're doing it but in a different way just with dialogue but it has such different meaning um the first time versus the second time you hear it and i think that's masterfully done
0: yeah absolutely that mirror image of the the opening and closing is crazy and obviously like it is also a story beat as well like literally talking about the like the pledge the turn the prestige like it it is is talked about in the story even you know he wants to buy his tricks oh well, I'm giving you just the pledge and the turn but you you'll to get the prestige I need to see that my daughter's safe and um and just constantly trying to figure out what the prestige is right the whole time uh Hugh Jackman's character is so intent and so obsessed with discovering how the tricks are done and it, it, it's the the central you know goal of our well, actually, here's a question. Is, is Hugh Jackman the protagonist of the story, Cody?
1: <laughs> you know, for, for about 90 minutes, you, you think he is, but he takes a pretty dark turn at the end. Uh, you know, Mike O'Kane doesn't like it, evidently. But, I mean, I feel like he is the good guy of the story just because Christian Bale does come off first character or whatever. But yeah, I mean, he is kind of a dick the entire movie. I mean, we started off with him just, you know, on purpose or not, but he kills Hugh Jackman's wife. If that's not the antagonist, I don't know what is, but I mean, Hugh Jackman, he does some pretty terrible things as well. Notably, he captures, I mean, Christian Bale, but we don't know that puts him in a coffin and buries him. Uh, I mean, he, he does a lot of bad stuff. And then obviously he frames him for murder and lets him die. But I mean, overall, I would say he is the protagonist, but I mean, in the end, I kind of feel for Christian Bale. Like yeah, he did make a mistake when he was young a long time ago, but at the end of the day, I think he might be the better man than Hugh Jackman.
0: Yeah, it's it the movie is entirely about the idea of obsession and how far will a man go to uh to feed that obsession or or to 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 find its source and and unfortunately, uh you know, it, it makes Angier turn and end up, you know, sending sending, sending a man to his own death. So, uh, I, I don't know. I think it's interesting to look at it from Borden's perspective of yeah, you know, he made some mistakes, maybe he wasn't the best dude, but uh, here he is sitting in prison for you know something he didn't do and he's reading this diary. So it's interesting.
1: Uh, I think it's, a, I'm just gonna keep going, whatever. I think it's a cool arc as well, because the, the entire thing is centered around more so than the the rivalry, who can grasp the audience like imagination with like this great, great trick. And I think Bale has the trick, Borden, whatever. I'm just going to call him Bale and Jack and fuck it. But um, I think he has the trick, but he doesn't have the showmanship. And the problem with uh, at, at Angier is, you know, when he does this great trick, he's underneath the, the stage. He can't see the crowd. And then we finally get that moment where, well, I mean, it, it, it's all like up for debate, but I think he does like transport bodies in a sense. But we get that moment where he's at the top of the crowd and he has that, you know, magician's perfect moment or whatever. Um, But it's not enough for him still. He still has that obsession to, you know, continue this rivalry, even though he's achieved what I thought was his goal. But, you know, like you said, I think it does, like the first half of the movie is really the antagonist is Borden. But the second half, it's more the antagonist is Angier. And I think that's super interesting and you don't see that a lot.
0: Yeah. Also, and you have those themes of like, Angier is it, he gets so far gone and so far lost, and and Borden is is the opposite side of the coin because he's while he's maybe not the showmanship, he spends his entire life you know living half a life and in, in trading places, and uh, yeah. it's it's just crazy because he's like truly dedicated to the craft, and it's something that Angier like that hugh jackman's character is not even able to like ever comprehend like the simplest answer of like hey like there's two of them like he does technically use a double right or he he spent his entire life and you get that you know the the mere, you know it's similar to that you know uh the asian character that they the the, the magician that they find i can't remember the name of the character but um how he he's basically this guy who has spent his entire life you know pretending to be this frail old man just for the dedicate. like his life is the trick and and that's so interesting
1: Yeah, I think another cool theme on top of that is, you know, you have to make sacrifices to be successful. And I mean, they both pretty much made the ultimate sacrifice. One had to watch his wife die in his arms and the other is literally living half a life with, you know, one in love with one woman and loving one in love with another. Um, Yeah, a lot of cool themes, I think. And like you said, the, the top here, we could unpack this probably for days and days, just, you know, the amount of content that is in this movie the amount of interesting themes is is pretty significant i think and something that i really enjoy
0: yeah let's uh move on to stupidest part. you
1: stupid
0: So let's let's bring it down a little bit all right i actually i have a lot of like small nitpicky things as usual but uh i don't know i kind of have a lot i feel like there's a, a, a few things you can point out so why don't you get us started cody
1: yeah i have a decent amount as well um but none of it's like you know major major stuff. Most of it's just like little dumb stuff. Doesn't like, prevent
0: us from still loving the movie, but it, oh, it's yeah. it, it when you watch it enough times. I mean, you're gonna find those things. So Yeah,
1: no movie is without its fault. No movie is past us picking it apart. But, um, <laughs> I,
0: and I think something with Nolan is that Nolan is somebody who makes some mistakes, and he 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 has some. Clear inconsistencies, and I I think that's prevalent throughout all those movies. They don't always make a hundred percent, but it's it doesn't you know tie up perfectly in a, in a beautiful bow because maybe life isn't like that always. So
1: yeah, hundred percent. And um, I'll just start off with some of my small stuff. Um, off the bat, you know, Michael Caine, he's always prepared for you know the water stunts. Uh, you know, if something goes wrong, he's there to to get him out right. Well, why the hell does he have such a small axe? <laughs> this thing. This and he didn't learn takes,
0: the second time.
1: <laughs> I guess not, because this thing takes about fifteen good strikes to it to just you know open it up a little bit. I mean, this is ridiculous, Michael Kane. Okay, he clearly doesn't care about these performers at all. Um, obviously, it's for you know effect and, and a little bit of drama, but I think that's pretty stupid off of the bat. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. They. If you're going to be so concerned about it and it's, like, your number one fear that yeah. something's going to happen, <laughs> then, like, why not have some sort of backup plan to, like, yeah. get her out? I don't know.
1: I, I agree 100%. Um, I'll, I'll just go. I have four, so I'll go into my second one here. Okay. Um, Well, it, this isn't really – I don't know if it's dumb, but it's just sort of a question I have in general. But I think I know the answer. But whose kid is, uh, you know, this daughter of his? Because it it should be the one who's in love with you know his wife or whatever, but I'm not too sure. Um, and then sort of also, how do they know whose kid it is for sure? That's my question. <laughs> do you have an answer, for me, Corbin?
0: I mean, like there might be an answer to the second one, but I don't know if I want to go there. Um, I'm not sure. I think I I read something online. Like so, there's the you can break it down into Freddie and Alfred. Right. and freddie's the one that uh scarlett johansson is in love with yeah and then alfred is is the one that actually loves his wife now which because only i think it kind of seems like only one of them is really having the rivalry with angier would you agree with that or do you think they're both heavily against him
1: i think because they- it's
0: it always seemed like or at least on this watch where i was trying to differentiate the two which is very hard to yeah. do at different times but it, it seems like the one who falls in love with Scarlett Johansson's character is the one who like is bitter and is still living in the past Whereas, like the other one. He's happy. He's in love. He has a kid. He has his wife, but I think he might be the one who pays the price and dies in the end. I think it might be the one who lost his wife. What do you think?
1: I think I disagree with that. Actually. I think you might be right in the first part that you're saying, but I don't know. I think they both do have a rivalry with him. I think 100% the one who's in love, or Freddie, we'll just call him. Freddie, I believe, is the one who kills his wife because um, Alfred definitely is the one who shows up to the funeral and you know he can't give an answer on, on what nodding tied because he wasn't there. Um, but I think at the end, it, it is Freddie who dies as well. Just beca- But in a sense, I think that kind of proves that they both had a rivalry. Well, I don't know, actually. No, I think you're right. I think Freddy has the rivalry because he goes to the show. He's obsessed with what this trick is. So he gets to check it out. So he gets framed. He's the one in the murder. I mean, he's the one who gets framed for murder. He's the one who says, I'm sorry about Sarah because it was pretty much Freddy's fault that she killed herself. So I think Freddy paid the price. Maybe the, Maybe Alfred was, you know, more of a low-key you know he was happy with the family he didn't care too much about Angier but obviously they weren't friends of him because so they were you know both being dicks to each other but that is interesting maybe it was just one twin was like majorly obsessed and the other was like all right I'm in this like but I don't care that much
0: yeah and I guess this moves into kind of my stupidest part is I think their working relationship of the two versions of Borden like could have been better. Like they could have handled it better. They really failed. Like I think his wife didn't need to die. Um I think oh, yeah. specifically the scene at dinner where the Freddy version shows up <laughs> with Scarlett Johansson and then his wife is sitting there and he's just being an asshole. And I get it's like right after I believe he's the one who was just buried alive. Yeah. And they then switch after that and he's obviously pissed off about that, but like that could be avoided and then it's not until later that the other Alfred is like, hey, man, like, can you help me with like handle my wife, like my wife and daughter? Like, can you help me be like you would think this if they're going to lead this whole life, there would be a discussion before that of like, hey, no matter what, like we have to maintain this. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, that's easy to say, though, but I mean, if I was with somebody and they're kind of going in a direction of, you know, their life that I didn't really want to. I Feel like you could have told it's hard to do that though, it is all about you could have told
0: your wife too, like you could have told her, and I
1: think and she knows, yeah, she definitely knows. Um, but But it's
0: like just the fact that he won't admit it is what caused all the issues.
1: I agree, and I mean, also when they're like fighting right before her death scene, um, you know, uh, what's his name, Fallon, whatever the other guy, he basically could just like walk in and take off his makeup and be like yeah everybody knows here you know let's just have freddie have his phone with somebody i'm the else.
0: one i'm in love with you like yeah let's just like that
1: that's an easy solve so she doesn't have to die basically but yeah i, I do agree with that you want to keep going i do have a couple more
0: yeah i got some more um okay. so the way that the cypher book is written like doesn't really make a lot of sense mm-hmm. uh i don't know if you agree so like at least I think it maybe is just a little bit of like the movie aspect of it. But when he does his voiceover dialogue, when Christian Bale starts to do the voiceover of like him read like him reading his cipher thing, it's like he's telling a story. It's not like it's a diary, right? It's like it's like he wrote a novel about his life, which is just strange. Yeah. And maybe maybe it's not actually written that way. And it's just the way the, the movie presents it. But if it is written that way, you got to imagine like, why does Hugh Jackman not think like, hey, this is weird. This isn't some diary like this definitely seems like a story written to me and not. You know, but then he's so surprised at the end. And then not only that, he gets to the point like three quarters through the book where Angier just like drops a hint. that like, oh, this or sorry, Borden drops a hint in the cipher that this is all set up. And then suddenly he's like and he flips like six pages forward and then he like reads the last line and it's like, oh, now you've discovered that. This was all a setup and I sent you here on a fake mission. Which that brings me to the next point. Mm-hmm. What how does this like I don't understand how he sends him to Tesla, but then Tesla actually happens to be able to make this machine that he just made up that yeah. and it works. Like that doesn't really make any sense either.
1: <laughs> I low key love that actually. Um, the weird thing about it is um, so obviously the Tesla setup um in a former scene and sort of Borden is is there and he, he sort of like stays there when everybody else leaves, including um, Angier. Um, So it's sort of like that would be kind of plausible of how that trick would possibly work. So it's fun because that's a good setup for, to trick Hugh Jackman. But then (laughs) Thessal is this absolute madman who actually does make a major breakthrough. So I think um, Borden just used him just for like, the lights on his a, on a show. Because when he moved like, up theaters, he got like some electrical lights. And he was probably just like with Tesla, like, oh, this isn't harmful, right? Like, it just looks cool. So I think he sort of just used Tesla as the presentation guy for his act. <laughs> and then as well to throw off Angier. But, like, this guy is absolutely insane. And he's trying everything possible on this mountain that he can think of. I think it's a really cool setup. And that character, we haven't talked about that character at all. Tesla is my absolute favorite character in this movie. And there's no doubt about it. I think it's uh, the performance of a lifetime from, (laughs) you know, one of the least expected actors I would have ever thought. The first time I saw this movie, I watched all the way through. I had no idea who played Nicholas Tesla. And um, yeah, if you, (laughs) when I, you know, looked up and I saw it was David Bowie, uh, my mind was absolutely blown. But, in general, I, I do understand where you're coming from, but I just think that's a fun twist.
0: Sure. Absolute heat check from Bowie there. Just like oh, later, later wow. in life, just coming in, being in a Nolan movie and just playing this like real life character. And it's insane. Uh, <clears throat> here's another one for you. How do they find a dude who looks exactly like you, Jackson?
1: <laughs> yeah, I knew this was going to come up too uh <laughs> there's just
0: some bloke in london who like looks exactly like it
1: yeah some drunk guy um everything with root i think is probably the weakest point in this movie <laughs> um I, I agree i really don't have any answers because it, it's just strange and the visuals kind of off like, it, it is Hugh Jackman, but at the same time, it's not.
0: Well, the first time you see him, there's definitely, like, a little bit of, like, weird prosthetic or something going on where, like, they try and make mm-hmm. him look slightly different. But then once he gets cleaned up or whatever, it's it's literally just Hugh Jackman. But. Oh,
1: no, it, it couldn't be anybody else. But yeah, I I agree. That was 100% on my list, and I think that's probably the dumbest part of the
0: movie. You got anything else?
1: I do. I do have uh, a couple more um so uh, (laughs) these are pretty stupid i think these are probably my top tier dumbest parts first off um i mean hugh jackman he straight up just shows up at the prison uh with christian bell's daughter like he has yeah he has a mustache that's it you can't just show up to the prison of the man who you framed for your murder and there's no repercussions i mean
0: that's I I agree it's so dumb like it's a dumb character move but I think it fits the story well because it kind of goes back to what we talked about how like Angier is so obsessed with seeing that reaction and like you see early in the movie he's when he's underneath the stage and he doesn't get to hear the like see the clapping and get the praise it just eats him alive and in that final moment he knows Borden's gonna go to his death and he cannot live with bored and not finding out before he dies that hey i pulled the greatest magic trick on you when you know he ends up getting uh the tur- the tables turned on him but i it just shows how vain he is like he, he has to go to the prison to to show off
1: yeah that's a good point um but you know bail he also waits until he's walking out to be like that's the man who <laughs>
0: and he just like flips out and sounds like a crazy person
1: yeah no um that is stupid, but that's a good point. And then my big one, which I do want to talk about a little bit. Um, <laughs> I don't know how, but these are the worst assistants of all time based off the fact they keep picking the same guys to help them with the tricks. I mean, get, get like a sketch artist out here. Show the assistants who your arch rival is who <laughs> tried to kill multiple times. Do not pick this person to help you out. Shoot a gun and at them. And they him never or- like...
0: Are, they never even try and pay attention. Like,
1: no, no. You know, obviously, it's all set up for the end, I guess, where they do want to pick him. But I mean, they continuously just ruin each other's acts and, you know, ruin the reputations over. And I think the,
0: the bullet one is the worst one because it's like yeah. he stares at him for like 15 seconds and he's like, oh shit, this guy's actually going to kill me.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah.
0: Angier when it's like it's obvious it's him.
1: Yeah. No, I'm mortal enemy. These are the worst instances of all time i don't understand how you know they keep picking these people but you know it's a good film so i'm not i'm not too mad about it but you know just grows in minds it's not that hard
0: here's one for you mm-hmm. the main character's initials spell Abra. uh
1: alfred bolton and what is borden.
0: it alfred borden and robert angier
1: oh robert that's right nobody calls him robert except for scarjo uh I like that. Why not? Nah, <laughs> that's,
0: to... that's stupid.
1: That should have been in uh, Weird Movie Trivia. Come on.
0: Well, I, don't, I didn't know how to ask it, so I just wanted to share it here. <laughs> I think it's stupid. Um, here's the other thing. Mm-hmm. So Christopher Nolan movies, we, we do like him as a director, but one of the problems that a lot of people have, and I understand why, is that he tries to take movies with, you know, crazy twists and turns and sci-fi and a little bit of realism, but he tries to inject this, like, some sort of like goodness or like some overarching message or theme or like an interstellar like it's a great movie and then at the end it's like it's all about love and family and connection and connection across the galaxy and like yeah it, it tries to put some heart into it when like maybe it doesn't need it and I think that that happens a little bit in this movie as well and it was kind of goes back to what we were just talking about it's like I think a major theme is like don't be vain and like be fair and like the only reason Borden in the end wins is because he split the time with him and his twin brother, and they lived the double life, and they were dedicated to the craft. And the the vanity of of Angier is what got him killed in the end, and the fact that he couldn't just live with without seeing his glory. So, I and I I just think of like in a movie like this, like it's a little cheap sometimes for me from Nolan. I think it it, it, it gets overplayed, hits the nail yeah. on the head a little too much.
1: No, I, I do agree with that, and. I think like you said no one he has done it a lot more prominent in the past this is a little bit more low-key of you know um describing like why things happen um that definitely is I think the reason of you know why i think they took Jackman's character that way they they wanted to show like you said the the vanity of of uh, obsession in a sense but yeah no interstellar my god <laughs> that is that is smacking you on the head with it this is you know, just a little tap. Well, tap, 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 but uh, I do agree.
0: <laughs> Favorite scene. She is very gorgeous to me. <gasps> there's, there's a lot of great ones here. Uh, I'll get it started. I mean, you talked about it a little bit already, but the opening and the closing are both so great. Um, the opening sets the stage for the movie in a perfect way. You hear Michael Caine's voiceover, and then you see the characters, you know, when you're introduced to them, it's, it's great. The closing, even better. The the way it's edited together, the Borden falling and snapping his neck. And then the, the, the appearance in the, the theater with the other Borden showing up and shooting Angier. And, and I just think that's fantastic. It's, it's masterclass stuff.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. That is easily my favorite scene. Um, just a great ending. I think I've said this before, but it's so hard to, to have a great ending to a movie, I think. And this nails it completely. Everything you said. I also love the abracadabra line as he right before he gets his neck snapped, um, and that whole conversation between Angier and and Borden at the end is, is super interesting. They're talking about you know, like I said, you know, who sacrificed the most, and you know, why why does Angier deserve that? But you know, he's done his sacrifices as well. They're surrounded by his dead bodies, and um, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think they nailed it. The opening and closing of like you said too book ending um another i don't have too many favorite scenes honestly i mean obviously the whole movie is great but it's hard i think to pick out specific stuff other than the ending um so i think just everything in general in colorado is super fun um especially visually i think that's where the the coolest visuals are i mean the tesla introduction of him just walking through the electricity is sick um the lights at night with Andy Circus, I think is very very cool uh visually um and also just I mean generally the story up there is, is cool as well um he's got to bide his time to you know even see this crazy guy but then he's just so eccentric and <laughs> he's exactly what I think Nikola Tesla would be in a sense um but Andy Circus is all right the uh the guy at the the front desk of the hotel, I'm a big fan of. I think he's underrated in this movie. But just every interaction between Jackman and Tesla, I think, is, is worth your watch.
0: Yeah, I was going to say specifically, like, the lunch they have, I think is really great that you got the yep. line. You're familiar with the phrase, man's reach exceeds his grasp. It's a lie. Man's grasp exceeds his nerve. And I think that's just... I love that so much. And then obviously, you know, there's the warning from Tesla, like do you, you don't understand how much you're going to sacrifice when you do this. And, and Jir doesn't care. He's, he's locked in and he's, he's dedicated to seeing his uh, seeing the task completed. So yeah, it's pretty great stuff. The only other one, one I wanted to mention, and you meant you said that the root stuff doesn't work for you. And I do agree that for the most part, the character doesn't work, but I think specifically the scene where, he finally like he turns on him i think is really great again it's that back and forth editing you get borden rolling up to the character of root at the bar and and talking to him like he's angier and then that juxtaposed with the final act happening where he drops and he breaks his legs and then borden comes out and he's the he's the real hero and i I think that's really funny so
1: yeah no that is a great scene that like you said very good editing there and I love the payoff where (laughs) Borden comes out and he's got him hanging up on the (laughs) thing. He's like, go, go across the street to my theater. And Andrew's just laying on the ground. I think that is a a very good scene as well.
0: Yeah. Let's uh, move on to let's talk filmmaking. We are full sail university. We take dreams seriously. I can get us started before it teach so the big thing i want to talk about is just the editing in this film as a whole uh, yeah. i think the way that chris nolan and the editor are able to craft this movie together and put it uh put it in a cohesive like full story like being managing all these different timelines and the editing has a huge role in the way that we're able to understand it and that things actually make sense so um there's 146 time jump cuts. So there's 146 times where we go from one scene at one particular time and we jump to another. So which is insane. You average that out. It's actually like one timeline jump per minute of the movie. Like every minute we're switching back and forth, which is, is just really crazy. Um, but while it can be confusing on the first watch, and I think you're benefited a lot more from a second watch you can definitely understand it at the end of the movie. Like, I think it's not too confusing. It does a really good job of managing all these characters, all these different timelines, all these different characters when you literally have people playing themselves in two different spots. And it's it's really crazy. Um, the thing on top of that is you take the structure of the turn, the pledge, the prestige, and you can compare that to like a three-act structure of a movie. You know, you have the intro, you have the body, the conclusion, the climax that, that happens, and then the story is resolved. And obviously this film has that a little bit but it's also jumbled up and then in reality the entire thing is the prestige and it is the entire thing is the conclusion which is is pretty great so um you have the moment you know it, it lay, it's able to layer in like Borden laying in prison reading the diary of Angier who's reading the diary of Borden and then like living out the moments and like it it perfects that in a way that um is just like incredible that it, it is able to manage that
1: yeah no i completely agree with everything saying and um the, the thing for me is i think the first time i watched this movie was probably my favorite watch um like it is confusing there's a ton going on for a two-hour movie but i think the realization of you know this is the prestige <laughs> you're watching a magic trick i think is very cool and um yeah to, to contribute some to the filmmaking segment here i did bring uh you know one little thing i think this was robbed for a uh, you know a little bit of costume design um The amount of prosthetics and, you know, fake beards and, you know, fake hair, it's a lot in this movie. And I I think it's, most of it is decent. Obviously it's, you know, fake to be fake steak, but um, I don't know. I think maybe it was robbed. It was nominated for Best Cinematography, which I thought was very cool. I don't know if I would have expected that, but maybe a tough year for costumes. And um, just in general, like the way it was shot, I think it's pretty fun at times Just because you have Fallon and you have uh, Borden, you never really get a good look at Fallon except for a couple of like important shots. I think the one where they're saying goodbye at the prison, and you finally get like uh, a still uh, shot on him for like good five seconds. And on your first watch, you're like, "Wait, (laughs) who is this guy? Why have I not seen this guy's face for?" And then it starts to like turn the gears a little bit. Uh, I just think the way he uses the camera. Um, you know, visually is pretty important as well to to the storytelling.
0: Click. You ever heard of that movie? You ever heard of a movie called Click, Cody?
1: Oh yeah, I've got a Sandman. Nominate,
0: nominated for best makeup at the uh, Academy Awards. Eh,
1: that's fair. I <laughs> I probably would have picked this over, but Click does have some good like old man Sandler stuff. So <laughs> I back it.
0: <laughs> fair enough. All right, we can move on to Weird Movie Details Trivia. Naked Grandma! Huh? I have two questions, but it's kind of like a one and two parter, so I don't know if you want to start.
1: Sure. Yeah, I'll start. We can bounce over to you. Um, I have two as well. Um, Neither of them are very specifically about this movie, but we move. Uh, The first one, I I don't know if you'll know this. Uh, It's either you know it or you don't, basically. But the question is What was the other magician-centered movie that was released the year before The Prestige, and it was directed by Neil Berger? And I can give you a hint if you don't know it.
0: What's that?
1: Oh, come on. Uh,
0: The Illusionist?
1: Yeah, there it is. Wow. Really, really a hit. The hint is uh, it stars Edward Norton, Jessica Biel, and Paul Giamatti. Which yeah, is yeah, obviously yeah. the superior cast of of the Magic movies. But, That's uh,
0: true. I I prefer Now You See Me one and two if we're gonna rank our Magic movies. But
1: I do too. It, it might be a Magic verse because I mean Michael Caine's in Now You See Me as well. So you never know, man. Could have a could have a crossover event.
0: It could be like his his grandson or something.
1: It could just be the same person.
0: Well, It could be, but there's about 200 years in between these movies. Um. But that's magic, right?
1: Yeah, Michael Caine never ages. Come on. that's magic. What
0: percent critic score does this movie have on Rotten Tomatoes? Cool. Uh, you like choices? Oh, yeah. Give me the choices. <clears throat>
1: 66, 76, 86, 96. This
0: is
1: tough. I didn't look at the Rotten Tomatoes. I would guess it's probably a little bit on the lower end, just because you're asking this question. Mm, About all the sixes. I'm going to go 76.
0: It is 76. 76. Audience score of 92%. So the audience understands. But um, I think we're going to maybe do an episode about Rotten Tomatoes here in the future. So look out for that. Um, But my part two of the question is, of all the Nolan films, this is his third lowest rotten tomato score what two films are lower
1: yeah i'd assume 76 would be one of his lower ones uh still certified fresh yeah at 76 critically panned movies i would assume insomnia is probably lower because that's notably al
0: pacino robin williams hillary swank You, you think the critics didn't love that
1: yeah, no, I, I do. Uh, I would definitely say that's one of them. <laughs> I could be wrong. Um, I mean, what other movies are, are really bad? I wouldn't say really any of them. Who would the critics not like? I mean, they love all the Batman ones. The Dark Knight Rises is much higher than it should be, I would, I would guess. Uh, Interstellar, they love as well for some reason. I don't think it's near the 70 range. Memento, that's got to be pretty high. I'm running out of Nolan movies here, man. Uh, <laughs> you got any options? Just list off his filmography.
0: Yeah, yeah I got you. Tenet, okay. Dunkirk, yeah. Interstellar, The Dark Knight Rises, Inception, The Dark Knight, The Prestige. Obviously, not that. Batman Begins, Insomnia, Memento, Following.
1: Okay, followings on there too. I, I'm gonna guess Insomnia and Following. Right, gotta be it. No. What's lower, Tenet?
0: Tenet is his lowest-rated film. Wow, at a sixty-nine percent.
1: Oh my goodness!
0: And then follow. a movie we've talked about on the podcast at seventy-two percent. Interstellar.
1: Really? Wow! I thought that would be like ninety-five percent. Hell yeah! All right, Rotten Tomatoes, you got that right. You got the fifty <laughs> dead wrong.
0: You wanna uh, You wanna hear the rest just for for fun?
1: Dark Knight Rises, is like ninety six for some reason. So Dark
0: Knight Rises eighty seven, okay. also tied with Inception, which is an eighty seven. I think that's a travesty. Wow. That's low uh, as well. Yeah. Dunkirk ninety two. Of course, the critics <laughs> love Dunkirk. The Dark Knight ninety four. Batman Begins eighty four. Now here's a here's a loop for you. Insomnia ninety two percent. Memento ninety three percent, and following coming in at eighty one. So. Three highest being uh, Memento, Insomnia, and, and The Dark Knight. So, yeah. And Dunkirk tied there for fourth.
1: I think Memento's a little overrated. Um, Insomnia, I'm not going to lie. I haven't seen it. So props to Robin Williams. But, yeah, no, that's pretty surprising. I guess the critics don't love Nolan as much as I thought they did. I assume, like, Dark Knight Rises and Inception and Interstellar would all be, at, like, 99%. So I feel like everybody fanboys over those movies. But, yeah, maybe they got some of those right.
0: What's your next question, Cody?
1: Yeah, my, uh, my next question, probably another reason. I threw a couple softballs this week, to be honest. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it goes, uh, you know, what was the first movie that Christian Bale appeared in directed by Nolan? Um, there's really only two options because he hasn't been in that many Nolan movies. Is it Batman Begins or The Prestige? You definitely well, I... have the IMDb up right now. Too. <laughs>
0: no, no, no. I just yeah. had it pulled up um i did i'm out, off the page i actually okay so um the prestige came out in 2006 i know mm-hmm. that for a fact
1: yeah the dark knight came out in what 2008? 2008 2008 yeah thank you came out. thank That's you the for course. the help probably not 2007. Uh,
0: i think it was like 2004 2005 mm-hmm. is batman Begins? so i'm gonna say batman begins <laughs> and also why Why? I mean, you said. I guess you said it could have been two, because obviously it couldn't be the Dark Knight. But um, yeah, I'm gonna go Batman Begins.
1: Yeah, that's correct.
0: 2005.
1: It was 05, actually. Yeah, and I think that's pretty interesting. They had to have shot these movies pretty close together, and um, I assume they shot Batman Begins first. I don't. I don't really know. I didn't look it up, to be fair. But I think that's a very cool transition going from Batman to the Prestige, straight back to Batman again um a lot of work those guys did together over you know a three or four year span which well and
0: know. then they didn't get back it wasn't until 2012 that you get yeah. uh dark Knight rises again so I mean, they wait
1: a while i probably i mean if i was working on you know movies for you for five years i probably couldn't stand you for a couple <laughs> years too, so it's understandable
0: i mean you want to talk about you know the string of movies christopher nolan and the body trans not christopher nolan sorry christian bale And the body transformation during the 2000s absolutely insane um you've got him going all over the place i mean the machinist Machinist 2004 down to like 120 pounds and then i think he was just like drinking have like drinking beer and smoking cigarettes not or or just something like you just drink alcohol and smoke cigarettes and he wouldn't eat and then you have him put on a ton of weight for batman begins and then lose some of her for the prestige and then you know back to the Dark Knight and Terminator and the fighter getting down as a, playing like a meth head <laughs> Um and then back to Bruce Wayne and then you get American Hustle where he fills out a little bit and then skinny again and then back to fat for <laughs> Vice Dick Cheney and <laughs> pretty crazy. Well,
1: he's all over the place. Yeah.
0: Big short. He was back. Yeah. Skinny big short like.
1: Yeah. He's got the most body commitment of all time for an actor I think honestly. Ford
0: v Ferrari again back to a skinny dude after Vice. So
1: yeah whatever you want christian bell to look like you know it's up to you he he can literally do anything you want he can go he can go dick cheney to the machinist in probably like three months so i, I, I now he's it. playing
0: a cgi character called gore the god butcher and thor and Thunder. so
1: yeah i bet he got Jack for that just for no reason CGI, <laughs> but
0: should be good let's take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back and we're back
1: who can act cody wow Oh, that's nice commercial, Corbin. Uh, (laughs) Like I mentioned earlier, I think this movie has a lot of very good actors. I have a clear favorite, but I'll get to him in a second. Um, I think the dual performance of of Bale versus Jackman probably isn't talked about enough. Um, We've been talking about it for a while as well, so I won't go too much into it, but I think it's unbelievable stuff. And I think um, Bale specifically was, was robbed in the nomination. I think jackman i don't think this is his best um but it it is very very good um and then another guy who i think is unbelievable michael kane uh michael kane you know i like to make jokes but i mean he's basically the center point of this movie for the first three you know three quarters i would say um i think he does a hell of a job he's he's basically the emotional balance for for jackman and you know at the beginning he's sort Of the mentor, and you know, trying to get into the head of Bale at times. Um, I think he does both really well. I think his relationships with both are, are super interesting, and um, even at the end, like he he doesn't even pick the side that you'd think he would. But I mean, it's probably his best performance, I would say, other than you know, the Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, but <laughs> but <laughs> good movie, go check it out if you haven't seen it. But uh, yeah, those are pretty much my two honorable mentions. But um, I'll, I'll throw it over to you. Who, who do you think you act?
0: So we, we've kind of already talked about uh, the three main people I wanted to talk about in this episode already. Obviously, first of all, Christian Bale is fantastic. I agree 100%. Should have received a nomination. Um, 2006 was a weird year. I mean, you get Leo getting a nomination, but not even for the Departed. It's for Blood Diamond, Ryan Gosling, Peter O'Toole, Will Smith, and then Forrest Whitaker taking home the win with the last King of Scotland. I don't know. Throw Christian Bale in there. Maybe drop off. Gosling or Peter O'Toole, or even you know, Forrest Whitaker. Is it that great? Who knows? Uh, nah, keep 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 the boy Forrest around. He's uh he's gotta have some pride and go do a rival in a few years later. So, um, Christian Bale's fantastic. Michael Caine as well, like you said, performance of a lifetime. He's he loves his magic movies. I don't know what to tell you. This and now you see me. Maybe they are the same character, but uh, Michael Caine, he's he's an old guy, but he just he puts out bangers every year dude is just putting in work and you got to respect that. And then my last person, uh, I think is maybe who you're going to talk about. So I'll just throw it over to you.
1: Oh, wow. Nice guy. Uh, I mean, yeah, obviously it's David fucking Bowie. Uh, this is a ridiculous, ridiculous performance, I think. And, you know, we talked about Michael Kane, probably the performance of a lifetime. This is the performance of his life. Um, like I was saying before, he's unrecognizable. He vanishes into this role. Um, just his mannerisms and uh, <laughs> the dialogue as well as you know helps him a lot but I mean the way he goes about you know showing how Nicholas Tesla how he thinks how he acts um, you know his pitfalls at, at times his relationships with um, Andy Circus and eventually Hugh Jackman I think it's I think it's unbelievable unbelievable stuff and it's uh, uh, an absolute shame he wasn't uh, just nominated at least for an Academy Award I think in Maybe uh, in 2020, he probably is nominated because they like nominating people uh, like like Lady Gaga or, you know, people who aren't actors who, you know, give a very good performance. Um, But it doesn't even matter that he's David Bowie. This performance is at that level where um, even if he is only in the movie for a half hour, I think a supporting actor or not is 100% warranted. And and, and if I'm being honest, like, he should have won. But, you know, every time I say that, they're never even nominated. So... The Academy, you did my man Bowie wrong, but yeah, this is the performance of a lifetime, and I think it deserves more recognition.
0: It's it's absolutely incredible, and especially coming from a guy who, while acting and playing characters was a significant role of his persona as you know on stage and in music videos. Despite that fact, he still really didn't. He's he wasn't really an actor. Like he didn't act in a ton of stuff. He he pl- he played some small parts. He was obviously you know most famously in Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Yeah. Um. But he's not—he's not really like an actor in the same way that you know Bale or, or Jackman is. But when you see him on screen with people like Circus and Jackman, and he's clearly the best person in every frame, um, it, it's amazing, and you gotta bow down to that. So,
1: yeah, I think maybe he—he he stands out a little bit more just because he's partnered up with Andy Circus and everything. No offense to that guy, but no, Bowie's ridiculous in this movie, man. I—I love it.
0: Yeah. Um. I have one more, but I kind of need to talk can act first, so (laughs) let's throw down who can't act.
1: That's my opinion! You go.
0: I don't think Hugh Jackman, Uh... (laughs) as in is very good. Okay. I think especially in the core cast, outside of maybe Circus, which we'll get to in a second. (laughs) <laughs> I think he's the weakest link, which is really tough because he's so s- pivotal and such at the center of the frame. And he's he's still pretty good, but comparatively, he's not as good as Bailey. He's not as good as John Even Rebecca Hall is like is better than him in most of her scenes. So uh, I don't think he's ever the best part of a scene, except... When he's playing Root, I got to admit, that character's pretty fun. I know it's bad, like the story beat-wise, it sucks, but I think him as Root is really fun. He's actually leaning into like this crazy act- drunkard actor with a flair for the theater, and, and I-, I really do love that. So I got to say Hugh Jackman can act in about <laughs> 10 minutes of this movie when he's not playing his main character, and the rest of the time, it's not the best.
1: Wow. Well. Disrespectful. Um, funny enough, uh, one of my Hugh Jackman as root. Yeah, you're dead right. One of my who can is Jackman as a root. Um, uh, I do kind of like the opening scene at the bar where he puts him in um, a headlock, and <laughs> I kind of like that. But I I don't like that character at all, and I think the acting is just not a good choice in general. Um. And yeah, I I stand behind Hugh Jackman. You're probably right. He is probably like the fourth or fifth best performance in this movie. But um, I don't think that necessarily makes him bad. But I I don't mind you throwing him in Who Can not Act because there's just so many good performances. But I think we're on the opposite end of of the root character here. All right, let's
0: talk about the obvious one then.
1: uh, Yeah, no, that's where I'm throwing it to next. And I don't think we've said her name yet. Um, Scarlett Johansson is in this movie, guys. Um, And... You know she's not bad, I don't think I think what is bad in this performance is her accent. I think it's it doesn't hold up on on the fifth watch. That's for sure. um, you know, she's okay. I think in general, Scarjo's a very good actress, and I think she's good in times in this movie, but I mean it was early on in her career. It's literally said in the movie she's there just because you know she's a good distraction for the audience um i don't think she's bad her accent is is very very bad and on this watch i was like you know i I don't even know what she's trying to do with enough time it it goes in and out you know pretty quickly but i would say she's probably the worst this movie is that what you're talking about
0: no uh yeah
1: yeah. (laughs) you think scar just did like what do you think about her accent
0: yeah, I mean the accent work's not great, but I think she serves the purpose of the character really well. I think maybe she's kind of sidelined in a way that she shouldn't be. Uh she's kind of just a female character there for the sake of the men in the story. Um, and I think Scarjo, while maybe not the best person, is much has much is capable of much more, I guess is what I want to say. Um, where in this role she is just playing like a pretty face that's there as a distraction, like you say. But um, I think she accomplishes that at the very least even if it is a bad character
1: yeah i agree also this i don't think this movie passes the bechdel test does it rip
0: you know it was going to well okay. it was going well, to but then she hung herself yeah. before uh would Bechahol, talk to her, yeah, up. which actually it wouldn't have because they would have been talking about a man which does not pass the Bechtel test so right, <laughs> to be well, fair if you want to go through the movies to- on our list you know there's probably a good chunk that don't pass because that is just movie making today i mean you know
1: 2006, what a joke. Um, but yeah. Do, do you think any Christopher Nolan movie does? Mm, do any of the Batmans? Probably not. There's not Rachel. She's dead. The she dark hair rises Catwoman.
0: Does Catwoman talk to anybody? Um, Tenet, does Elizabeth debicki talk to now?
1: I mean, Nolan, I mean, looking at this Oppenheimer movie as well, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't they, have There was more. There was another casting today i saw it i don't know who was it some, some white guy uh, alex yeah. wolf
0: it was alex wolf
1: oh yeah that's right um but yeah i mean his his casting and the diversity and everything is, is not great so that's 100 percent a, a thing i don't like about nolan movies but the script in this one obviously is like did
0: you know that eric from auntie ann's was also cast in the uh, oppenheimer movie
1: auntie ann he's really
0: that? he's really famous at the green hills mall in nashville tennessee he's just a white guy <laughs>
1: i was not aware of that uh probably won't you know get too many more tickets sold but, but, uh, but that is a that is a pitfall a big one i think of no one is his, his casting of you know just strictly people who look like him you
0: know? i mean literally that is like his goal yeah. in most movies is he casts the main character as himself basically so
1: yeah pretty much but um yeah i'll throw it over you who's your uh, who can act
0: I mean it was Andy Circus is going to be a person. Yeah. Uh, I think especially in comparison to what Bowie's doing. Uh I don't know Circus may listen he's a hell of a CGI motion capture actor but I think a lot of his uh real life in person stuff isn't always as great. So we talked about him last week. We got the back to back Circus picks and You
1: really do not like Andy Circus. He's playing
0: he's playing a, kind of a similar character. That's the thing like I don't think he's doing anything different between these two movies at all. Like he's basically just doing the same thing like a weird old dude that's got issues i don't know
1: yeah he's kind of just an oddball in both i would say um one thing andy circus is good in uh i think he's really good as ulysses claw in in black panther um i think he can act i think he just he's given the the sort of like i said oddball just side character to a cool character in in other movies but I, i do agree he's he's not great in this yeah
0: let's move on to the recast
1: you're fired you're fired you're fired you're fired fired. let's do it i have a couple um i'll start us off and and chuck it over you uh you know this is tough this is a tough recast obviously we're going to pick on certain people uh which i'll get to in my second pick but my first pick i actually wanted to just go full nolan and replace rebecca hall who i think is good in this movie um She's a little bit wasted, so I, I kind of want to get a bigger name in to make the pro- make the character a little bit more prominent. She's going to get more lines, more story. So I'm throwing Anne Hathaway in. I think this is Anne Hathaway's bread and butter. Oh, my goodness. A Nolan movie, more of a drama. Like more being
0: than- like a wife wet blanket. Is that what you want her to play? Cody?
1: <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. But um, I think if you put Anne Hathaway, third billing in this movie, it makes that character a lot more interesting. It makes Borden a lot more interesting, a lot more – um depth between the uh freddie and alfred like we were talking about before um but also just another great actress i think anne hathaway is phenomenal on a lot of stuff you know notably terrible in interstellar but this is a lot earlier in her career so she's going to continue that stuff but uh yeah i like rebecca hall but let's throw another star in there get some more uh you know female prominence in here. i'm here for it
0: yeah for sure uh i'm gonna go with i guess you could consider this uh, a Nolan pick because he has been in the Nolan movie. Uh, I'm taking Leonardo DiCaprio, and we're going to put him in as Andir. Oh, man. He's hey. a little little younger than uh, Jackman. But, uh, dude, you I mean, you can't tell me. Obviously, Leo's already in two other movies this year, but you can't tell me he would not absolutely eat up this performance. Like, let Leo do some magic, bro.
1: Yeah, no, I'm 100% here for it. Imagine that year he would have had the Prestige. I mean, it's just not possible.
0: Nobody can film that many movies, the but he could, drop the, he could drop Blood Diamond.
1: Yeah, that's true. Somebody else could do a terrible South African accent, but I'm definitely.
0: Oscar-nominated South African accent.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Jamin Hansi robbed, but uh, yeah, no, I, I'm here for that 100%.
0: And then, since I'm switching out of Angier, I wanted to throw in another pick. And the ages again don't quite line up, but I'm taking Adam Driver. <laughs> We're just picking our favorite my my favorite actors, and yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make him. Sorry, <laughs> he's gonna play Borden, so he'll he'll take oh. Christian, Christian Bale's Christian Bale spot. Adam Driver's gonna come in.
1: Interesting. I think I'd like to see him more in Angier's spot, but I, I mean that's a good pick too. I'm not. I think argue. you need like. A
0: little bit of a physical difference between the two, um, I think. Like the taller, slender Christian Bale versus like the shorter. I guess Hugh Jackman's not really short, but in he always seems like more like short and stocky in comparison. And I like mm-hmm. that. Like Adam Driver, Leo. Like those two would be the two I'd pair together. So
1: we should just remake it and, and throw those guys in it. I movie. mean, let's do it. <laughs> but keep Michael Caine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Don't get it. And Michael David Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> Rip. Um... My second recast, I am going after Andy Serkis. Um, you know, like I like we were saying, he's not great, and um, I'm bringing back a classic here, a Cap classic. Uh,
0: David Bowie.
1: No, we're going Dave Bautista. That's
0: what I meant to say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> David, David Bowie. Bowie for Andy Serkis. Yeah, just give him. <laughs>
0: no, yeah, Dave <laughs> Batista. That's so stupid. This is a bad cast.
1: <laughs> what? Dave Bautista makes every cast on her times better. And these are the roles that he's he's great in. The little side character This movie one. loses a
0: star if Dave Batiste is in this.
1: That's <laughs> disrespectful to my man Dave. But uh he he'd be like a perfect uh fit for that role because he could be like a bodyguard for Tesla too. He's not like his bumbling assistant with a cat. He can actually fight <laughs> off these Edison goons. Um, you know, he, he pulls out the shotgun at the end and starts taking some names. But oh I'm definitely here for, for Dave Batiste to be thrown in and you might as well make this character a little bit more
0: fun. Morgan Freeman, you ever heard of him?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where you want
0: him? Uh, he's either gonna pl- play one of the like the promoters or one of the theater managers, or the place that I really saw him is the judge that like Michael Caine has the little like side meeting with, where he has to like yeah. explain the character or the tricks to him. Put Morgan Freeman in there. Fuck yeah, Morgan Freeman's amazing
1: another so- now Jack you see the movie
0: me. another exactly. now <laughs> you see me. yeah i want the now you see me uh, connection to live on
1: <laughs> mark ruffalo that, can
0: be mark ruffalo could be the assistant he could yeah. be Andy circus
1: mark i think mark ruffalo at this time in his career actually would have been a good fit for this movie too so he yeah. could
0: I, I could see him play angier as well uh and you know what melanie laurent from now you see me she could play rebecca hall's character she can play the wife what about Dave? Actually, Franklin? you know what? I think she... Uh, <laughs> uh, Melanie Laurent can play... She's not in the second Now You See Me, but she's in the first one. She can play uh, Scarlett Johansson's character instead of her. I think that's a better fit.
1: Okay, I like that. Uh, Isla Fisher, she can be uh, Borden's daughter. <laughs> James, Franco. James Dave Franco. Franco.
0: Dave Franco, not James oh, Franco. Oh, whatever,
1: Dave. I'm sorry. Dave can be his son. But we'll just throw him in. And through. Jesse
0: Eisenberg can be... Uh, the fake Hugh Jackman. He can be the fake Leo. He can be the double.
1: Makes sense. Uh, Now you see me versus complete. Cool. (laughs) What's your rating, Corpio? Start us off. You're going to look at me and you're going to tell me that I'm wrong? Am I wrong? Hey, I got to go big
0: for this movie. I got to ride for this movie. One of my favorites that we've done on the podcast. Uh, 65 out of 69. I think this movie, despite despite you know the issues we talked about this is still just like an ex- incredibly fun watch and like when you said hey we're, we're gonna do the prestige like not even bat And I like yeah let me watch this like i'm all over it like no big deal whatsoever five-star movie easily
1: wow i'm very proud that i finally brought a movie that Corbin is a big fan of yeah very proud of myself but um uh, yeah i completely agree obviously we've been praising this movie a lot and um uh, I'm Going right next to you of my rating, I'm going 66 out of 69, which, um, I believe is my uh third highest rating movie. I don't know where Moonlight's at, I think 67. Yeah, I mean, it's <clears throat> up there for me. It's easily arrivals
0: the 68, moonlight's yeah. a 67. So, yeah, there
1: you go, put them in line, baby. Those are my three, also so my seven. third
0: highest. So,
1: yeah, no, this is a very high rating for you as well. But yeah, no, obviously, I'm super high in this. I think those probably are my three favorite movies. If you go to my letterbox those are the three on top so yeah big big fan prestige if you haven't seen it check it out
0: if you haven't seen it and you just listened to this episode yeah. that's probably <laughs> not spoiler we warning
1: we should have said that off the top. <laughs> go watch this movie so good
0: hey when i first started releasing these episodes i put spoiler in the title and then i had somebody go Obviously, obviously, there's spoilers, and also, you're, you're going to say spoilers for a movie that came out nine years ago? Okay, you know what? Fuck it. This movie came out uh, 16 years ago, so if you haven't seen it, then you suck, and you should go watch
1: it. <laughs> Damn, just berating our audience now, too. I like it. It's on um, Amazon Prime
0: for the next nine days.
1: <laughs> oh, really? Well, that's yeah. perfect timing for me. What a pick. What a pick. Uh, but yeah, no, seriously, if you, you haven't seen this movie, you have to go watch it. Even if we spoiled it, I don't care. Go fucking watch it. Time
0: for We Have a Podgorithm. Shuffle up the cards.
1: Season three. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right, here's the card. It's another 90s film, keeping it going from last week. Um, I don't think it's one that either of us have seen, but I have lots of things to say about it. It's The Usual Suspects.
1: Oh, I've seen this movie.
0: Okay, so you can talk about the actual movie, and I can talk about uh the controversy surrounding <laughs> Kevin, it so
1: <laughs> <Kevin Spacey.
0: laughs> eh, it's it, it goes deeper it goes deeper um all right you want to go ahead and hit it first tell tell us about the film in 30 seconds cody I,
1: i'll tell you what it is a pretty good film um definitely 90s movie but great cast overall other than the lead um it really it's sort of you know not similar to this movie but similar in a sense because it has an iconic ending and um, I think it is mostly just build up towards editing, you get there, very, very good stuff, and um, very good performances all around it, it's pretty much a small, small scale um, sort of set in, in how it's filmed, mostly just, you know, back and forth dialog they you're trying to figure out, you know, who the mob boss is, they've captured this, this scared little guy who, who works for him, and it's a lot of mind games, a lot of fun, eventually, you know, there's a massive twist, I won't spoil it, but also just you know, there's such fun moments. The the iconic uh line em up scene, uh whatever it's called, where they're standing and you say, uh, you know, it's that guy. It's that Literally guy. the cover.
0: All right, that's time.
1: <laughs> Good movie, but you know, whatever. 30 seconds, not enough. But Gorbito, let's hear the issues with it. Um
0: Kevin Spacey, obviously, yeah. uh he like he raped a kid like oh. an like an 18-year-old boy. So that's yeah. tough. He's in this movie. Uh also the director of the film, Brian Singer, also several sexual misconduct case against young boys uh very bad look he also would go on to do the x men following this but you know what he had cases before the x men even came out and all the way since like 1999 up until present day people are coming out suing this dude because he's he's sexually harassing them or or doing all sorts of terrible things so i don't know it's kind of a tough watch in hindsight you know can you separate the art from the artist i guess i'll let you guys make that decision uh but Brian Singer, Kevin Spacey, not great, not great dudes.
1: Yeah, th- I agree. Obviously. Um <laughs> oh, that's with- a hot take, Cody. <laughs> yeah, like the-, the tough thing with Brian Singer is too, I think um Days of Future Past is so good. Be my favorite comic book movie of all time. Um, and to have his name attached to it is definitely tough. But yeah, no, I completely agree with your saying Kevin Spacey, fucking scumbag. If that guy's ever in a movie again you know, I'm, let's start a revolution, uh, you know, burn down over a theater. No, I'm, I'm joking, but Kevin Spacey, <laughs> bad, bad guy and uh, deserves no recognition, but we're giving him a shout out nonetheless.
0: Yeah, it's definitely tough because Brian Singer started out with the first and movie. They, you know, did some other projects and then he ended up coming back and doing Days of Future Past and it's so good, but it's, it's a little bit tarnished there. So agreed. Recommendations, Cody.
1: I drink your milkshake. I
0: drink it up. What have you been into? Take it away. I know there's something that started a couple weeks ago that you didn't mention on the podcast that I have not gotten a chance to watch yet, but tell us about it. What do you think?
1: Oh, you're talking about Survivor? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's going. You know, Survivor, that is one of the things I've been into recently. Uh, it's only been, I believe, two episodes, third one this week. Uh, the premiere was all right. I think last week was, was definitely a good episode. Um, very intense stuff. Uh, they're, they're going with an intense theme going forward, which I do like, but I'm more of a gameplay guy than the actual survival of it. So also just give me a returning season already. Like the newbie seasons are good, but it's been like, I don't know, 15 seasons since other than winners at war, which is a culmination of 40 years. So there hasn't been like a newbie bring them back sort of all-star season since like, I believe it was 29 or, or 33 or something with, with second chance. Regardless, good show. But, yeah, I don't uh, think that was
0: 15 years ago.
1: But Well, I mean, it's been a while since a, since an all-star season. Um, but yeah, no theme. I don't know. I, I think for 43 and 44, there's got to be a theme at least and to ride around. But definitely check out Survivor. Some other stuff I've been into. Um Honestly, not a lot. Uh, March Madness was this weekend, so Purdue I, baby,
0: Sweet I 16. did absolutely
1: nothing other than watch college basketball, which you know I'm completely fine with. And yeah, Purdue didn't lose, so how's the bracket? Uh, not great. Oh, shot, absolutely shot. But I do have Purdue in the Final Four, and you know we have a clear path now. Uh, we're not jinxing it, but we have a shot. So that's mostly what I've been doing. Also, you know, just shout out Impractical Jokers again. I was (laughs) binging that last night. Heck of a show. Heck of a show. Joe Gatto, if you're listening, my guy, you know, you gotta come back. I saw previews for the new season. He's not on it. They're gonna have, like, guests and stuff. The main one being Eric Andre, who I am a big fan of. I really do like Eric Andre. But it's just not gonna be the same without Joe. So, if they make... I say they make one more season and Mr. Gatto's gotta come back. But... Yeah, that, that's pretty much my reaction this week, man. Not too much.
0: Yeah, so the big big two things I I've talked about it on the podcast because I had already seen it once, but I went to the movie theater last week down in Orlando while I was on vacation with Mina and we saw Belfast again. Uh she hadn't seen it and I checked it out for a second time. I loved it even more the second time. Uh it rose, I think, to my second or third favorite movie of last year, um, when it was I I think like four or five previously. Um, It's so beautiful. Uh, It's a little bit of a carbon copy of a couple other films. It definitely has some Roma vibes. It definitely, um, you know, it it takes a lot, but I think it's still like a really beautiful story from Kenneth Branagh. So visually appearing, so emotional. Um, Check out Belfast. Uh, Oscars are in like a week and a half. I don't think it's going to win Best Picture, but I really think Belfast is amazing. And it's one of my favorites um, of all time now. So Also checked out an A24 film, Joaquin Phoenix, the role of Come On, Come On. Um, It was one that came out, and right when it came out, had a little bit of buzz. You know, Joaquin Phoenix, maybe best actor, um, and then kind of just died off right away. And I I don't really know why that was. Um, I didn't personally connect with the film super heavily. I think it was well done. It's an interesting story. Um, Just kind of just eh, meh for me, Uh, three and a half stars. So two black and white films, though, back to back. Everybody cashing in on the black and white in 2021, I guess.
1: Big trend, black and white. But And that I,
0: I will catch up on Survivor so that we can have a full discussion next week.
1: Very nice.
0: And then finally, last week was our 1990s movie draft.
1: Yeah. Are we declaring a winner here? Or?
0: I say I, we do. I
1: haven't looked at the polls since it came out. And honestly, I, I completely uh, got, got distracted today, but... I think I have a pretty good shot, if I'm being honest.
0: Uh, well, you should probably check the poll again. Uh, okay, so technically there's an hour and a half left, but I'm just going to declare a winner here, and if we're wrong, I'll just cut this. Have
1: I been dethroned?
0: The winner is Liam Durbin.
1: Oh, bull Coming out of nowhere.
0: JD and Cody early, had the early lead. Um, Liam really, he put in the footwork on social media he asked people to vote for him uh listen i think his movies were decent but uh he's i he's taking home the dub cody's finally dethroned how does it feel
1: you know i would be mad if it was anybody other than liam just such a good guy you know can't hang <laughs> on him well deserved my guy very proud but um yeah i probably should have gone on used all my bot accounts to vote for it <laughs> but uh, no congrats to liam I and mean, uh, definitely well deserved
0: no, yeah, I, I got to say I lost to Liam in the, the opening round, so I'll take this as a dub for me <laughs> as well. So, listen, I, I think it, it, it was t- – tough. I had a tough matchup early. Yeah. So. Not
1: much you can do, but I – you know, I would declare you second place, but your picks were terrible. So, you're, I think you're this is my involved. best draft ever. <laughs> you're stuck in the toilet bowl with Junior. Never want to be there, that's
0: for sure. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Uh, follow us on social media at Cap podcast k-h-a-p-o-d-c-a-s-t give us a rating on spotify apple podcast give us a review if you want to be a guest come on uh we got a lot of fun things in store for the rest of season three and uh we'll see you in the next week hey, thank what you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things i have ever heard at no point in your rambling incoherent response